Hello and welcome to the IT Governance Periscope podcast. This week's episode is an investigation into cyber incident response management and IT governance products and solutions for organisations who suffer a data breach. My name's Ginevra and I'll be hosting the show today. We're here with Tony Druitt. So, hi Tony, could you just introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Tony Druitt. I'm the Managing Director of IT Governance. Um, We're the UK uh, business within the GRC International Group, um, been around since uh, 2005. And I'm responsible for the sales and all the delivery of our wide range of uh, cyber resilience and data protection consultancy services. I've been a consultant myself for about 20 years. Um, I've run a variety of businesses and have seen all sorts of different uh, shapes and sizes and got lots of experience of uh, when things go wrong as well as when they go right. Wow, that's brilliant. Good to have you here. Thank you. Um, so can we just explore data breaches in general for a moment? Because there's a lot about it in the news. You know, What are your thoughts on what's happening? Well, the thing about data is you can't see it. So if something gets stolen, you often don't know. Now, what is a data breach? The the breaches um, in the context of data protection is quite complex. Uh, But essentially what the ICO says, that's the Information Commissioner's Office, what they say um, is that if data is compromised in any way so that the rights and freedoms of the subject can't be uh, upheld or met, then that can represent a data breach. So the the data could be stolen, it could be compromised somebody so that the data subject's confidentiality is uh, compromised. Um, it, the, the integrity of it could be uh, compromised as well. So that, for example, uh, a letter gets sent to to, to, uh, to the wrong person about somebody's personal information, um, or the availability could simply be compromised. And under the GDPR, and now the, the Data Protection Act 2018, if the controller cannot provide a subject with information that they hold on them within the required time, then that represents a breach as well. So there's a variety of different breaches. And not having control over personal data is is what it's all about. If you haven't got control of it, if you don't know what you've got, where, how it's being protected, how it's accessed, and a lot of things like that, then the chances of a a breach are increased. Okay, wow. Quite far-reaching then. Um, So if I do suffer a data breach, what do I need to do as an organisation or as an individual? Um, Well, the, the first thing is you've got to detect it. Um, uh, 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 and that's not easy. Um, uh, a lot of organisations don't know that they've been breached. They probably have, but they don't even know. They didn't feel a thing. You know, it's it's just just not visible. So my point about it being uh, not visible is is, is very important. Um, I got stung by a, or bitten by a horsefly a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't know uh, until it was already too late, and the you know the marks started coming up. And with data, it's a similar thing, except sometimes you don't know for weeks. Um, uh, so detection is the the first point Uh, and there are various things that you can do to detect data breaches and they're usually things uh, logical things that that go um, within a a network somewhere to to detect um, uh, any kind of movement or or intrusion into the network things like that but but knowing um, a breach has occurred in the first place is is the first challenge once you know that there's been a breach then obviously the first thing to do is to investigate whether it is a breach or if you suspect there is one, you've got to investigate whether it is, and sometimes that takes a bit of human intervention. Um, Then there are other priorities to think about. Containment and understanding the nature of the breach uh, are the first things to to establish in an investigation. Because um, if um, some kind of vulnerability in a network has been opened up, 
uh, it may still be there, it may still be open. So containment's really important, that if some data has been compromised, then more data may be compromised. So investigation into what has actually happened is, is really important. And the, the, the thing that really deals with all of this stuff is, is some kind of cyber response uh, process or procedure or plan. And that's the sort of thing that everybody needs. It doesn't really matter whether we're dealing with personal data or commercial information or anything like that. It's all data and it's all of value to an organisation. And protecting it is, is important in different ways. And knowing when something has been breached... Um, uh, as I say, is the first step, and then investigating how and possibly containing it so that further breaches don't take place. And also, for example, if the integrity of the data has been compromised, making sure that that data isn't then used to do something. You know, uh, in the example of um, sending somebody's bank account details to the wrong person, you, you've got to do some containment so that you, you don't then send the wrong information to the wrong person. At the same time, you might be wanting to use information to operate business processes, uh, but you've got to think about containment so that you don't pay one person's money to another person, for example. Um, and that's all part of, a, of an incident response or breach, breach response process. You've got to um, uh, try and find out uh, very carefully what, what has happened. And the key thing about all of this is if you don't have a, a procedure or a process to work to, then people are just making it up as they go along. And that's often where it goes wrong. Um, people do things with good intention and it can often make things worse. So, for example, by, uh, by, by containing and, and, and blocking off network access, that can then lead to other problems. But if you have a procedure and a process that's been developed in, uh, in peacetime, if you like, then uh, that gives the opportunity to, to do things in a much more controlled way. An important thing about following a plan or a process is that things are bound to go wrong. And when they do go wrong, the organisation is called to account. And when you're called to account, if you can show that you followed a plan or a documented procedure or something like that, your accountability, your defence is much, much stronger than if you can't show anything and basically you made it up as you went along. So those are some of the important things to think about when how to respond to a, a breach. Okay. Um, can I just touch on how you identify a breach? Because obviously you said it might be, it could be weeks in some organisations, and obviously it depends on the complexity. How do you identify a breach? Um, well, th there are all sorts of tools that can be installed in networks to identify um, breaches of various sorts. Um, for example, you can have an intrusion detection system on a network, which tells you whether uh, there has been some unauthorised logical access into the network. That doesn't mean to say there's been a data breach but it increases the likelihood. And if you know there's been an intrusion, then you can start investigating and try and maybe uh, repeat the same type of intrusion and see what the intruder could have accessed. That then gives you clues as to where you should be looking to see if uh, data has been breached. But then you've probably got to do something like integrity checking. So there are tools that you can do use and techniques you can use to compare the current data with the original data and determine whether there's been any integrity compromise. Um, uh, the thing about data theft uh, is that um, what, is, what is stolen is usually a copy of the data, not the data itself. So you can't, it's not like looking in a cupboard and seeing that something is missing. Um, the data is often still there, but copies of, copies of it have been taken. In some cases, data may be taken completely, and that would then compromise the integrity and the ability of the organisation to, to operate. Um, but there are so many aspects to it, and that's why a comprehensive uh, breach response uh, procedural process is really important because when designed properly it will deal with all the different combinations and permutations of what could go wrong uh, you know, different ways of de detecting whether you've had a breach what it might be what data it might might affect and for organizations that have got lots of different systems with lots of different data types in them it can be a very involved process and if you haven't got anything designed to do it then it's extremely difficult 
So if I have suffered a data breach, what would be my starting point? Well, if you've got a plan or a response process of some sort, your starting point would be to turn to that. And um, there's an expression used in, in, in network management, crash stop. Do you crash stop everything? Do you, do you, do you freeze everything? Uh, that could be a, a step. It depends on a variety of things, um, such as the sensitivity of the information that's being uh, uh, being processed. So in an organisation where there's a lot of um, uh, special categories of data, a lot of sensitive information, it might be appropriate to completely freeze everything uh, and, and just not allow anything at all to happen until the incident has been uh, investigated. In other organisations you won't necessarily do that. Um, you'll, you'll carry on and you might isolate uh, a particular user or a particular segment of the network. Um, but generally it's a case of turning to the, the plan and following it. Now for this reason there needs to be an incident management uh, process which includes people. So these processes are about um, people, uh, well process, the, the plans are about people and process uh, as well as technology. Now um, technology will do what we tell it to do. So people become really important and uh, the assignment of roles and responsibilities within an incident response process is really important because if people are just opening the book and they've never seen it before and they're trying to work out what to do next, it's likely to go wrong or it's much more likely to go wrong than if they rehearsed, they've looked at it, they've, they've uh, maybe been through some, some exercises and things like that and cyber breach uh, exercises are a very good thing to do and it's all part of the defence because even if you have a plan and it goes horribly wrong, and you as an organisation are called to account, and um, one of the questions might be, so had you ever tried this organisation out before? Is this the first time you'd ever used it? And if you tell the truth, it'll be, well, no, we, we never tried it before. We just designed it and sort of thought that it would be okay. Um, and if uh, in the event it isn't okay, then that weakens the defence. So it's about turning to the, the process following the, the design of the plan, which, is, which can include things like crash stop or isolation of users or segments of networks um, and, and, and things like that. And, and usually it's to do with, um, to do with logical data. As opposed, but data, let's remember that data can also be, on paper, it can be hard copy stuff as well. So sometimes physical isolation of areas and things like that, even down to searching people, can be part of a plan in an organisation that uses a lot of paper records. Uh, and that's got to be built into, into the, in, built into the plan. Um, and uh, the, the, the likelihood that the plan uh, or that the scenario evolves as planned will increase if the people who are involved have got assigned responsibilities, they know what to do, and better still, they've been through some kind of practice or exercise um, so that it can be demonstrated they're then not to do. Um, it's a bit like driving a car. You know, if you practice a few times, you eventually get quite good at it. And it's really a similar thing. If you, if you practice doing this a number of times, it'll get quite good, even though you're not doing it for real. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the first step. Obviously, you've got to have a plan, and then you've got to have people who know how to use the plan and all of the related arrangements. You've got to have people who know how to isolate things. You've got to have people who know how to uh, seal off areas. You've got to have people who know how to do all these things. Just a question from my perspective, actually. Do organisations actually do dummy test runs you know, in the way that you would with a fire evacuation procedure? They, they do indeed um, and uh, you know we have a number of clients who do this. Um, the number isn't big enough. Um, actually all, all organisations should really do this because 
um, a, a breach is quite likely to happen to lots of organisations. It's much more likely than a traditional business continuity event like a fire or an explosion or something like that. It's much more likely because um, uh, cybercrime is actually the easiest, cheapest and safest form of crime in the world. So for that reason, there's a lot of people doing it. And a breach may happen for, thing, for reasons other than crime as well. It may be unintentional. Uh, and so for that reason, there are so many reasons that a breach can occur. And most networks are actually quite easy to breach. Therefore, having a plan that is tested really is necessary for everyone. Okay, thank you. And if somebody doesn't have an instant response plan, what do they do? Well, um, that depends uh, whether whether a breach has taken place or not. If they haven't already had a breach, what do they do? Is they find somebody that, that can help them to, to put one together. That could be IT governance, for example. Um, if, however, uh, the breach has happened, what do they then do? Well. Um, there are various uh, uh, organisations that can help with that um, in terms of a, a kind of a, a immediate response bureau service and it's possible to sign up to some of these services but they're extremely expensive and, and if you think about it unnecessary because if you've got a plan and you rehearsed it it's not that difficult and you've given people roles and responsibilities and just tried it out a few times then you don't need to do that when a breach happens finding an organisation that can help you to mitigate the impact of that breach is incredibly difficult because you've got no plan to work to, you don't even know where to start. These days, of course, we don't use the yellow pages. We'll start looking on Google or other um, search engines to find out who can help us. And, you know, you find the organisation that's really going to help you in the way you want by doing a, a, a panic search on Google. Very unlikely to get a good result. Um, but, you know, if you haven't got a plan, then all you can do is make it up as you go along and just hope that it turns out for the best. But, you know, that's not a good place to be. No. And presumably the ICO in the UK and other bodies internationally will take a dim view on that. They take an extremely dim view of it um, because in the GDPR uh, it mentions risk um, a lot of times uh, and, the, and, and it also mentions privacy and data protection by design. And if you think about it, data protection by design kind of goes fairly closely and logically with having an incident response plan. Uh, and if you haven't done that, then you can't show that you've um, implemented the data protection by design principle and therefore the penalties that are likely to result from such a breach are, are probably going to be much worse than if you can show that you've done everything that could reasonably be done to protect yourselves but it still happened because there will still be breaches that happen despite the best protection. And do you think it's as easy for a small organisation or an SME to create and implement a plan as it is for a large organisation? Do you think it's easier? Well, yes, if anything, it may well be easier, um, but it's all a matter of, of relativity. Uh, a large organisation is likely to have more resources that they can apply to this. But the plan that they've got to devise there will typically be a single plan. It's going to be much more complex because there's much more organisational elements to build into that plan. Um, many large organisations have a single network. And so you've got to have a plan that, that, that addresses the whole of the network. And for a very big, complex, multinational organisation, that's a big piece of work. And it's likely to take quite a long time to develop. An SME or a small business at the other end of the scale, it's likely to be much simpler uh, to, to, to produce, to test and to put in place. So if anything, it's, it's probably slightly easier for small organisations to do it. One of the things that holds smaller organisations back, though, very often is that they, for whatever reason, don't believe... Uh, anything like this will happen to them 
but the reality is that um, networks being operated by smaller organisations are, are often uh, much more exposed, they're much more vulnerable, they've got all sorts of vulnerabilities which exist that, that uh, attackers could, could quite easily uh, exploit. Um, you know, penetration testing is, is, a, is a very good way of, of finding out whether that is the case and that can be done quite inexpensively. Uh, but even with penetration testing and, and, and the result of that, which is usually hardening the network and closing off vulnerabilities, there's still the, the opportunity for breaches to take place because they don't only happen as a result of network penetration. Um, and, and having a, a response plan that deals with any eventuality is a pretty optimal way of, of minimising the impact should a breach occur. So what would you say are the biggest risks of a data breach to an organisation? Well, uh, aside from the, the, the potential financial penalt- penalties that the, the ICO or another supervisor or authority would, would hand out, there is the reputational impact. Most organisations, um, well, many organisations tend to think that because they're not a household name, uh, if something goes wrong, it won't really matter because nobody's ever heard of them. But actually, um, uh, if uh, a, a data breach occurs then it's quite likely that somebody on the outside will know about this. And with the power of social media, uh, which many organisations like us use as a business tool today, then uh, it's quite likely that a lot of people will get to know fairly quickly. Now, whether the organisation's customers or clients are are typically uh, private individuals or consumers, or whether they are businesses, they're likely to know fairly soon. Again, we as a business know about a lot of things going on in the world through social media. Um, And it's so powerful now that the organisation's reputation can be damaged very, very quickly. The fact is a breach can occur. It might occur despite really good preparation, but it occurs. And a lot of people will take every advantage of that situation and get things into social media, which of course happens within microseconds. Um, One of the best ways to to defend against that um, is to have, as part of the incident response plan, um, a media plan. Um, and that can include getting proactive statements out into various forms of media, be it broadcast media, social media, anywhere that the organisation thinks um, there is likely to be interest in the results of, of a breach. It depends on the type of information. For example, an organisation that's processing card data, um, hopefully it will be fully compliant with the payment card industry data security standard. And that's, you know, there are a lot of organisations in this country that handle card payments and also process card data. Not all of them are currently compliant with the, the PCI DSS. But for an organisation that does do that, it wants to get some positive messages out to its cardholders, to its customers very quickly, so that their confidence isn't damaged. Reputational damage can take all sorts of forms, and ultimately, reputational damage will result in a loss of value, will result in, 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 in the loss of, of, of financial value for the organisation. Um, and given that the breach has occurred, the only way that well, the main way that an organisation can minimise the impact is to be proactive, to be honest, um, and, and of course all of that requires very careful planning. You, it's very difficult to generate a sincere, honest, yet defensive statement on the hoof. You typically need to work these things out in advance. So having a strong um, media plan as part of the, the overall response plan, is it, I can't stress how important that is. And importantly, having people who know how to do it. They've got to be people who, who are good and proven to be good at, at handling media, be it social media, be it broadcast media or anything like that. Um, and a management system, which is another way of, of having a, a more comprehensive framework in which uh, something like a response plan would exist, would include a way of uh, assessing and ensuring that people who are going to handle uh, media responses in a situation like this are competent to do so. 
it's very tempting for a managing director or somebody else, because of their job, to be the media spokesperson, if indeed speaking is a form of response. But unless you've proven that that person is the best person to do it and is indeed competent, uh, it's a faulty plan. Okay, so if you were going to break it down into some key steps that people can take away from this podcast and think about, what would you say they are? Uh, well, in no particular order, um, uh, preparation. It's, it's all about preparation um, and, and, and prevention. Prevention is better than cure. We've been taught that since we were children and it's still the case today. Um, I'm sure there's something else with, beginning with P that I can think of and I'll come up with that in a moment. But uh, preparation, having plans, is absolutely essential. Um, it's quite a good idea to have a structure to those plans. And um, uh, this is where management systems that I mentioned earlier can become quite useful. Um, but having enough knowledge about what can happen in the event of a data breach uh, is the basis for uh, what a good plan looks like. Um, prevention is, is um, uh, there's a number of uh, aspects to this. Um, network defense, uh, things like penetration testing to see if the network is vulnerable. Um, uh, network components to improve the the the, uh, um, the the defense of a network, such as uh, in, intrusion detection systems, for example, um, uh, and, and network hardening, uh, and then various policies that can be enforced. I mean, even down to things like password policies. People often wonder why we have to have such complex passwords. Well, they're there for a reason. They're there to prevent things like breaches taking place. So a lot of preparation or rather a lot of prevent, preventative controls can, can be put in place. Um, some organisations just think of preventative controls from time to time as things go wrong, but having a planned approach to this means that it's likely to be more comprehensive, so that's where uh, preparation and prevention go together. Um, and a systematic approach to this is really the way to go. Uh, if you follow some kind of framework, some kind of uh, recognised standard, um, you're much more likely to have a more comprehensive set of arrangements which are likely to reduce the impact, particularly the reputational impact that you did something about this before it happened. That's really, really important. So looking at things like cyber essentials, penetration testing, information security management systems, such as ISO 27001, those are all really good defences that you can only put in place before the breach happens. So that's preparation and that's prevention. So that's kind of the, uh, the underlying story. One day I'll think of the third thing beginning with P, but for now, there you go. Perfect. Thank you very much, Tony. Oh, perfect. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the IT Governance Periscope podcast. You can find out more about the GDPR and the NIS directive specifically by visiting itgovernance.co.uk and selecting either of those headings from the information drop-down. In next week's episode, we'll be discussing how to assess the data that's been affected by a breach. So do subscribe to the podcast or check back regularly for new episodes. Don't forget to follow hashtag breach ready across social media and protect yourself this summer with IT Governance.